Good morning, Ridgecrest, and anyone else who may have stumbled upon us here on Facebook. Uh, we completely believe that it is not by accident that you have joined us this morning. Uh, no mistakes were made by you being here today. We also believe that any time we come into the Word of God with open hearts and open minds, that we do, we do not walk away empty-handed. So my prayer for you today is that as we dive into God's Word, that your life would be changed, that your mind would be moved from one spot to another, that God would speak to you and that you would know Him more fully because of what happens uh, in this place today. Um, maybe you joined us this morning and you were expecting to see Matt standing here. I hope you're not too disappointed. Um, Matt has uh, taken a, a few days to catch his breath with his family, and I am so uh, honored to be here with you uh, in his stead today. I'm honored to allow him to have a much-deserved break. And I would ask you as a church family and as others, if you would be in prayer for our staff and our elders as they continue to minister in this challenging time, uh, it is far more difficult than any of us could ever uh, imagine or think. And so I ask you to pray for them, and I'm thankful that Matt can have a moment uh, with his family to catch his breath. Uh, my name is Joel. I am a member of Ridgecrest and have been uh, for seven years in April. So uh, I'm excited to be here with you and share a little bit of my heart um, with you. I wanted to also make a disclaimer because I've heard, uh, I work in the entertainment uh, business a little bit, and I've heard that the camera adds 10 pounds. <laughs> and so uh, I also want to say that I'm very certain that quarantine adds another 10 pounds. So uh, please no judgment today. I promise when I see you in person, I won't judge the cinnamon rolls on your waist either. Um, so again, thankful that you're here today. Uh, we've been looking at the book of Colossians now for several weeks, and uh, Colossians in chapter 1 started off with Paul's prayer for the church as they have faced uh, false teachings and, and bad directions. He prays for them, he th he's thankful for them, and then he moves uh, in Colossians 1, 15 through 23, he moves into a uh, presentation of the preeminence of Christ over all these false teachings, over all these other things, Everything that had been told to these uh, church, he says, Christ is above all things. Now today, we're going to finish out chapter 1 of Colossians, and we're going to take a look at Paul's ministry to the church in Colossians, Paul's ministry to the church, universal, and Paul's ministry in, in Christ. And uh, so I want us to read Colossians 1, uh, 24 through 29, and then we're going to step right into it. Here it is. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that it is your message to us. 
And today, as we read and as we study together, you are speaking to us through your word. God, may our ears be open. May our minds be open. God, may our hearts be open to what you have called us to get from this word today. God, help us to see through Paul, not just his ministry, but our ministry to you, to the church, and to others around us. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, folks, I think it's interesting uh, in our current situation that Paul starts off this section uh, talking to us about suffering. And I want to take just a moment and say this. I know many of you out there, many of us, are suffering during this time. I know that there has been sickness. I know that there has been job loss. I know that there has been family issues. I know that there is loneliness. Maybe there's too much time with your husband stuck in the same house. I know people are suffering. And folks, I want you to know that when Paul says that he rejoices in his suffering, it's hard for us to grasp. This is not enjoyable. This is not a time where we feel like rejoicing. I want you to know that we understand that many of you are struggling and we don't want you to struggle alone. We don't want you to face this time by yourself. So if there is anything that we could possibly do for you as a church, if there is anything, we know that there's probably no fast fix for your situation. There's no way we're going to sweep in and change everything for you during this time. But we don't have to walk alone. We want to walk alongside you. And so I challenge you today, I encourage you, if you have a need, if you have a struggle, if you have a problem that just seems like it's too much for you, Will you reach out to our staff, to our elders, to our shepherding leaders? Will you contact your small group leader? Or if you're not a member at Ridgecrest, will you just uh, type over in the comments prayer and somebody's going to reach out to you. There's going to be a connect card in there uh, that you could type a prayer request on. Somebody's going to contact you. Listen, please don't walk alone. We are called to walk in this life together and we are better together than we could ever be alone. So in your time of struggle and in your time of pain, let's join together and walk through this. So let's get back to Paul. What is up with Paul? Paul says that he rejoices in his suffering. How is that possible? Again, it's hard for us to grasp because some of us are going through minor sufferings. In fact, Paul has not only, he hasn't experienced just sufferings like us, but Paul has been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been in jail multiple times. And in fact, he writes this letter to the Colossians from jail. And yet he says he rejoices in his sufferings. Now, listen, Paul's not some kind of masochist, all right? He's not gaining some joy from the actual physical sufferings that he is going through. In fact, he makes it clear in the last part of this verse that his joy is not merely in the suffering, but it is in the suffering for their sake. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Paul rejoices not because he's in pain, not because he's in a bad situation, but he rejoices because he understands that his suffering, his struggles benefit others. Recently, J.D. Greer, the Southern Baptist president, in a recent sermon said this. He said, joyful suffering or sacrifice is when you give up something you love for something you love even more. Paul loved seeing others come to Christ and to watch people follow after Christ more than he loved being comfortable 
or even being free. Folks, we can rejoice in our suffering when what is gained from our suffering is better than what is sacrificed. This is the kind of love that Jesus modeled for us. Listen, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us all lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ had joy in the cross because he knew that the benefit of his sacrifice was greater than the sacrifice. He thought of us. Folks, without that kind of love, without that kind of love for Christ, for the church, and for the people around us, we will have a hard time finding joy in our sufferings. I don't know what you're suffering today, but I know that today, if you're a believer, your suffering has a purpose. James chapter 1 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Suffering well as a believer uh, grows us, it perfects us, it also glorifies our God. It draws others to Christ, and ultimately, it strengthens the body, the church. Look for purposes in your suffering this week. Put others before yourself, and hopefully you will be able to find joy. Now, what might God be asking you to suffer or sacrifice this week? Uh, I may get a little bit personal here. I know I, I stepped on my own toes when thinking through this. But the truth of the matter is that your neighbor might need to hear the gospel. And you might need to step out of your comfort zone. You might need to be uncomfortable and suffer a little bit to go to your neighbor, your neighbor across the street, your neighbor across the world. They might need to have the gospel. Are you willing to sacrifice and suffer so that someone might come to know Jesus Christ? Maybe your suffering is that you just need to stay in your house right now so that other people can be healthy. I know it's a struggle. I know that many of us are going out of our minds, not being able to get out and enjoy one another, but it might be our calling for right now, in this moment, to suffer at home so that others might be healthy. God also might be asking you to risk your own health for the benefit and health of others. Many of you are doctors, nurses, first responders, grocery store workers, or many uh, other number of people who are currently working and risking themselves so that the rest of us continue, can continue on. I'm thankful for you. It may be God's calling in your life this week. Others of us haven't experienced a ton of suffering. Many of us have not lost wages or we continue to go to work. I, I just spoke with someone earlier who said his life really hasn't changed. Uh, work on a daily basis and, and business as normal almost. Many of us are in that current situation. But that's not true of the people around us. Many of us in the mail this week or last week received a stimulus check from our government that we don't need. Many of us haven't taken a loss in wages. Many of us are not feeling the effects of the economy right now. 
because our job is still strong and we are still uh, doing everything that we normally would do. Maybe you don't need that stimulus check right now, but maybe your neighbor does. Maybe another church member does. Would you be willing to give sacrificially with joy so that um, somebody else's life might be better? Paul says he rejoices in his suffering for their benefit. Hopefully we will as well. As we move on in verse 34, Paul says this. He says, In my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now what could possibly be lacking from Christ's afflictions? Uh, we, just uh, a few moments ago, he, we talked about he gave everything for us on the cross. In fact, Paul says just above this passage in Colossians 1, 13 through 18, he says this. He says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So Paul had just gone through this whole conversation about the preeminence of Christ, him above all, Christ alone. And yet he says here in verse 24 that he is in his flesh, in his sufferings, he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body. Now on Wednesday night in our preview study, I discussed several options of this, some of them interesting, some of them not. If you want to reflect back there at some point, it's still posted up on Facebook. But I think in light of the next three verses... As I was reading, I found uh, some insight from a Romanian pastor and missionary named Joseph Sun. And when asked concerning this verse, reflecting on his own uh, struggles, his own beatings, his own imprisonment, his own threats on his own life and those of his family, this is what Pastor Sun said. He said, I believe that Christ's sufferings were for propitiation. Our sufferings are for propagation. Now listen, Matt's not here today, so we don't have to use all the big words for uh, theology, right? And so in words that I can understand, here is what Pastor Son was saying. He said, Christ suffered to fully accomplish salvation. We as Christians suffer to spread that salvation. John Piper also said that the only thing lacking in Christ's afflictions were their renown. People didn't know until they had heard. Folks, it's the same today. Jesus Christ's sufferings on the cross are full and complete, sufficient for all. But if they don't hear, how will they know? And if we don't teach them, how will they hear? Folks, we are called to suffer so that the salvation given to us on the cross by Jesus Christ's sufferings can be spread to all the world. Philippians chapter 2, verse 30, uses this same word for lacking uh, that we see here in Colossians. As Paul is talking to the Philippians about Epaphroditus, and Epaphroditus has traveled to bring to Paul a gift from the Philippians, uh, uh, probably a monetary gift, but also a greeting from them of their love and concern and care for Paul. 
And Paul says to him, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He nearly died to deliver the church's gift and message to Paul. Their gift and message to Paul was complete. They had given everything that they wanted Paul to have. The only thing that was missing was a personal delivery to Paul. He had not received the message until Epaphroditus personally delivered it to him. God had called Paul and he has called us to be a bearer of this gift to the world around us, to the world that we come in contact with. And sometimes suffering will be involved. We make Christ known to people by the sufferings we experience in delivering the news of this perfect gift to them. As we move on through verse 25, verse 25 says this. It says uh, the, he was called uh, to fulfill the um, afflictions of Christ for the church. And it says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Now the word used here for minister is the word for servant. Christ, uh, Matt made a mention of this last week in verse 23 as well. It talks about Paul being a minister there. The word again is servant. The picture being painted by this word is actually a table waiter or a person who has to tend the house when the master is away. This is not some high and lofty position that Christ has given to Paul. Um, I want us to be clear that this position also was not just for Paul. And this position is also not just for our staff. Paul's calling, and maybe the calling of staff and ministers that you know, is, was dramatic and obvious a, a call. But rest assured, our calling as servants is just as clear Mark chapter 9, verse 20, uh, 35, uh, the disciples have been walking along, and as they walked, they talked about who might be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And as they got to their location, Jesus set the twelve down, and he said this. He called the twelve together, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. If we want to follow the greatest servant ever in this world, then we will follow as servants and nothing more. Paul says of the, that this is a calling, a stewardship given to him from God. Uh, it's a calling and a stewardship given to us as well from God. God's strategy has always been one of a suffering servant, and that has not changed. The calling that was given to Paul and is given to us as well, at the end of that verse there, it says, to make the word of God fully known. What is this word? Verses 26 and 27 tell us, Make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles all the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what exactly is this mystery? Many times when we think of mysteries, we think of Sherlock Holmes solving a great crime case. Or uh, I, I watch uh, probably too much YouTube. My wife would agree with that. I love to watch people do things that I will probably never do, like hike in the wilderness or build a fancy car. 
uh, or sometimes I just spend too much time and I stumble onto something that really isn't important at all. And, and one of those cases is I sometimes watch a guy and all he does on his YouTube videos is he solves puzzles. Now, I'm not talking about a jigsaw puzzle. That would probably be a little bit boring, although I might be sucked into that too. <laughs> but he solves these puzzles um, that take twists and moves and pins and buttons to push. And his viewers send these puzzles into him and he will take time to solve this puzzle on camera. Uh, sometimes it happens quickly. Sometimes it takes him several minutes and I watch the whole thing. I don't know why. But he will, he will twist and bang and poke and prod and spin and turn and all of these things until he finds the solution for this puzzle, the mystery that would take this puzzle apart and, and, and make it work. Listen, this is not that kind of mystery. There is no amount of spinning or twisting or figuring that we could do to understand this mystery until Jesus. There, there is no kind of chant or spell or list of moves or even a list of rules that we could accomplish that would reveal this mystery to us. The mystery is Christ. Christ in and among the Gentiles and all those who would believe. The mystery of salvation. Listen, Jesus wasn't a plan B. It wasn't a switch because the Jews couldn't get it right and they couldn't obey the law and it didn't work out. That is not at all the case. Jesus has always been, he is right now, and will always be our only hope. The hope for everyone, the hope for all from the beginning of time throughout eternity. We see this throughout scripture. In fact, we see all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, that this mystery is beginning to be discussed, but they couldn't see it. It says, I will bless those who bless you. He's speaking to Abraham. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then if we move on over to uh, Isaiah chapter 42, uh, Isaiah speaks there in verses 1 through 4. He says, Behold my servant, whom I am uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he establishes justice in all the earth. The mystery that is mentioned here, the message that we have for our neighbors and our friends and, and the message that glorifies God and builds up his church is the mystery that Christ is in and among all those who believe. The Jewish Messiah came for all mankind, all mankind. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Folks, he has lavished them upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him things in heaven and things on earth. 
Christ is the mystery that we proclaim to all people. Verse 28, Paul continues on. It says, Him we proclaim, Jesus, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Listen, Paul says, Jesus, we proclaim Jesus. In the midst of this false teaching, in the midst of these lists of things that you have to learn or do or accomplish, church in, in Colossae, Jesus, Jesus is the answer to all of these things. Listen, it's not a Sunday school answer. It's always easy for us when we ask questions in our small groups or our discussion times together. We say, well, it's Jesus, right? The easy answer. But it's not just an easy answer. It is the truth, the reality of everything. In the midst of false teaching, in the midst of false hope, Jesus. In the midst of our fear and confusion during these times, Jesus. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, Jesus. He is the answer. Paul says that we are to warn everyone. This may be some correction. The church here had been distracted. They had been led off in a direction that they didn't need to go. And Paul says that we have to warn everyone. We have to make correction. We have to admonish them that there may be wrong thinking or understanding. This is a call for us to do for those around us. When we see people going astray or making bad decisions, Paul says here that we are to warn them, to encourage them to come back to what is right. He also says that we are to teach everyone. This is us going deeper in our understanding of Christ. Folks, we have been called again to walk together. It's called discipleship. We come together, we teach and train, and we struggle together. We learn the word in a deeper and greater way so that we can be stronger in our understanding of Christ and so that we can be more like him in our daily lives. Paul says we warn everyone and we teach everyone. Why do we do these things? Finally, he says that we do these things simply and blame us above reproach before him. Folks, we are to warn and teach and walk together so that we may present it, be presented mature before Christ. I want you to notice something in this verse 28. Three different times Paul uses the word everyone. Everyone is included in this. Everyone. There is no one beyond the gospel truth that Jesus came and died and lives among us. There is no one beyond that truth. No one too different than us, no race, no position in life, no location in this world that is beyond the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one is too lost. Parent, your child is not too far from God. Child, your parent is never too far for the truth and hope that we have in Jesus. No one is too sinful. The blood of Christ is sufficient to cover all sin for everyone. So what does this all mean to us? Well, here's what I think it means. Just as Paul was called and commissioned by God, by Jesus, in, in his interaction with Christ on the road to Damascus, we have all been called to be servants of Christ as well, to suffer and to work so that we might be able to share the fullness of the message of Jesus Christ with everyone and thus strengthen his body, the church. Now, you're 
you're probably saying to me at this point, Joel, that all sounds great. And I know, I know that's what I'm called to do, but it's just too hard. Right now, especially, I'm exhausted. I'm hurting. I can't even see anyone face to face right now. This is just too difficult right now. For us to be servants and leaders and teachers and encouragers, it's just too hard. Well, the truth of it is, it's always too hard. In our own power, this is not something we can accomplish. And even Paul says in verse 29, he says this, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. The word used here for struggling is the same word used in Matthew. The word is to agonize. Many of us may relate to that word right now. Agony, struggle, pain. Listen to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says to you and to me, Come to me, all you who labor, all you who struggle, all you who agonize and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Church, we're called in the middle of this suffering to be servants to all people, glorifying Christ, but we can't do it in our own power. And he says, we don't have to. He says, I will give you rest. If you come to me, if you suffer for me, if you serve me, I will give you rest. Maybe today you need rest. That's all you need. Will you trust in him today? Will you come to him? His power is at work inside of you, and he will continue to work in you. Listen, as we move into a time of reflection on this passage and what it means to you and to me, I want to ask you a couple of things. What will God ask of you this week? Will he ask you to love others more than you love yourself? And that means everyone, not just your family, not just your friends, not just people that are close to you. He may ask you to love someone that is hard to love this week. Our suffering for their benefit is greater than our suffering. Maybe, maybe for the first time you have just understood and heard that the mystery of Jesus Christ is that he came for you. Not just for church people, not just for a certain group of folks, but the mystery has been revealed to you today that Jesus Christ came and that he loves you. Whatever he asks of you this week, my prayer is that we would seek after him, that we would find his rest, and that we would be and do all that he has called us to do. We're going to spend a few moments here in prayer. And if you have a need, again, over in the comments, you could just put the word prayer there in the comments and somebody's going to reach out to you. Somebody's going to encourage you there. You could email elders at ridgecrest.com. They will also reach out to you. Or in the connect card that's there listed, you could type out your needs or prayer concerns, uh, anything there. So during this time of reflection together, would you take that opportunity? Don't walk alone. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word in Colossians. Thank you that you have called us in the midst of our suffering and our struggle. 
and you are with us. Your power is alive and well. You never leave us alone. God, thank you that we walk together as a church body. Thank you that we walk together as the church around the world, that we can encourage and lift up one another. God, I pray that this week that would be true for all of us. Would we see and find joy in our sufferings as we serve you uh, to those around us? God, maybe right now there's somebody in this place on this uh, video. God, maybe there is someone for the very first time that they have heard and understand that the great mystery, it's been revealed to them. Jesus has come for them. Jesus has come that they might have life and have life eternal with him. Jesus has come and died for them. God, would you move in their lives? Would you work through and in this time that they would be drawn to you? God, help them not to walk alone, but to reach out to folks on this uh, thread and, and folks in their home or folks close to them that they might be encouraged during this time. God, we love you so much and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.